Well, good morning. If you are joining us for the first time, we want to extend a, a warm welcome to you, to New Life Church. We have been just recently started a new series in the second letter of John. The second letter of John, and that's where we will be continuing our um, time of study this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the, the second epistle of John. Of John. Two weeks back, we, we started our study, and as we saw the week before last, the Apostle John was, was very concerned about truth. And he uses the word truth five times in Second John, uh, just in the first four verses. And his main concern was that false teachers who were traveling around at that time, they were opposing as Christians, they were going into faithful believers' homes, but they were teaching heresy. They were denying the fundamental truths about the person and the work of Christ. And in our text today, John calls them deceivers. In verse 7, you'll see he calls them antichrist. He's not mincing any words here. And of course, John had a love for the church. And the danger was that the churches might welcome these, these people into their, their midst and provide hospitality for them and invite a whole bunch of pain and problems upon themselves. And hence, he gives this warning. So this letter is basically a warning. It is a warning to the churches. And he was encouraging them to show love and hospitality, but also warning them to be discerning without being discriminating. And the only way they could do this, and the only way we can do this, and the only way we will be able to distinguish that is when we know the truth. And that's his emphasis in this letter. That we would know the truth. That we would love the truth. Bud reminded me of this truth just this last week when he told me of the story of those who work for the, the U.S. Treasury. Especially those who print a currency. Um, the U.S. bills. Now in their training to identify fake currency or fraudulent dollar bills, they make their employers employees study the, the real thing. They spend a whole bunch of time studying the genuine thing. Not the false notes, but the real notes. So that when the, the fake notes emerge, they automatically know the difference. In our last study, we spent some time laying this foundation of divine truth. And I said last time that absolute divine truth does exist. Even though the world will try to convince us otherwise with their worldly philosophies such as pluralism, extensionism, and relativism, divine, absolute truth does exist. So truth about the person and work of Christ is the basis of our fellowship as well as our hospitality. So let's read together. I'm going to ask you this morning, please, if you would stand with me as we pay respect to the Word of God. Um, 2 John, we're going to read from uh, verse 1 to 9. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. 
I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose that what we have worked for, but may gain, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Let's pray. Lord, we ask for your help this morning. Lord, there seem to be a lot of distractions this morning around us. And I'm sure the devil doesn't want us to hear what you have for us today. So I do ask, Lord, please that you would place a hedge around us. And that you would help us to concentrate on your word. That we would receive your word. And that we would allow the word of God to transform us. So we pray for your help. We pray for your spirit's help this morning. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So one of the things that we saw the Apostle John say over and over in 1 John was that there were three tests, three tests or three evidences of true Christianity. Remember, we looked at this. The first one was the doctrinal test. And that was faithfulness to what the apostles taught about Christ in his person and the work that he has done. And the second test was the, the moral test. And that was a love for God's commands and a, a walking in accordance with the, with the scriptures, obedience to the scriptures. And then there was the third test. There was a, a social or a relational test. Um, and that is a, a tangible uh, expression of our love and our care and our concern for, for other believers, um, especially those in the, the local church. And John uses this test against certain false teachers again here in our passage this morning, um, as we will see. In fact, today, as we look at these five verses, you'll see how practical, how practical and applicable and how timeless the Word of God really is. Not just not just to our day and time, but also to our church here in this particular culture. John has opened this letter with, a, with an exhortation about living in truth and love. And he's calling us today to embrace this truth and to express our love in our relationships with each other. So my first point this morning is love one another. And we see that in verse 5 and verse 6. 2 John 5 and 6. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning. 
so that you should walk in it. Well, the Apostle John in verse 5 and verse 6 is telling the Christians to, to love one another. That's pretty clear. But he speaks to the moral test. And the moral test was, was love and obedience. Now look at, verse, look at the last phrase of verse 5. That we love one another. But look at the last phrase of verse 6. That you walk in it. So this is not just some idea. This is some practical application. That we love one another, but we walk in this love. And that is the commandment to love one another. So John calls us to obey this commandment. This old commandment. It's not a new commandment. And he tells us that. To love one another. He reminds us that it, he's not coming up with, with something new. And he's done that already in, in the first letter. This commandment to love one another in the Christian church isn't something that he has invented. And the reason he's repeating himself, remember, is because there were these, these agnostic teachers who were bringing up these new doctrines, teaching something new that the people hadn't heard before. So he's laying that foundation for us again and again. This comes from Jesus. This is not a new teaching. And of course, Jesus makes, makes it clear that his teachings are from the Old Testament. Remember, Moses had told us that we were to love one another. Moses had emphasized that we were to love our neighbor. This is not a new teaching at all. And I've heard some people say to me, well, the Old Testament is not about love. It's about the law. Do you understand what the, the law was? The law was nothing but a, a summary of God's love. The law is a summary of how we are to love. The Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. The Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 said, Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus repeats those Old Testament teachings in the Gospels. In, in Matthew chapter 22 from verse 38 onwards, he, he says, This is the great and first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Remember last year when we studied the Ten Commandments, we, we learned that the Ten Commandments are a summary of God's law. They all the law summarized in ten points for us. Remember the Ten Commandments are divided into two parts. The first four commandments teach us how to, to love God. That was the vertical relationship. And the second half, the other six commandments taught us how to, to love each other, our horizontal relationships. And remember, if we don't love God properly, we can't love each other properly. That's what we learned. And we saw, that's why Paul says in Romans 13, love is the fulfilling of the law. The only way we can love each other properly is if we are loving Christ and loving God properly. We are obedient to Him. We are faithful to Him. Love is the fulfilling of the law. If you love God, you're not going to take His name in vain. If you love God, you're not going to have an idol in His place. If you love God, 
You are going to respond to whatever He asks you to do. If you love God, you are going to give Him the honor that, that He deserves. And on the other hand, if you, if you love others, you're not going to kill them. You're not going to speak bad about them. You're not going to covet what they possess. You're not going to lie and speak bad against them. Well, the message of love is rooted in the Old Testament. It's all about loving God and loving each other. And in 1 John chapter 2, we looked at, John the Apostle says, I'm not writing a new commandment, referring to love in the Old Testament. And John says, I'm not inventing something new here. I'm not inventing the way that the heretics were inventing. This is just something that you've heard from the very beginning. And I want you to notice how John in verse 5 make, makes it clear that this love is not like the love we normally think about. This isn't the romantic Hollywood type of love. This is a commanded love. This is the commandment which we have had from the beginning that we love one another. He repeats it again. This is the commandment that you should walk in it. Notice this love is commanded. This is not suggested if you think it's a good idea, if you have enough time. This is a commanded love. This is not a feeling. If you feel like it, if you wake up and, and, and you feel like loving somebody, then love them. No, this is a commanded love. We spent a lot of time looking at this in, in 1 John. Remember the word for love that John uses in the Greek is? Agape love. And that's the perfect love. It's a, it's a sacrificial love. Now other types of love were there. There was a, the eros love, which was the romantic, erotic type of love. Phileo love. And the storge love. All different types of love. But John is talking about this agape love. I was recently reading a book called The Rule of Love. And the author was giving an example of this from a conversation he and his wife had over dinner with, with some friends. And he said that his friend argued that, well, if two people really love each other, it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what gender they are. If they truly love each other, they should be able to be happy. And we shouldn't stop them. Well, how would you respond to that statement. Now what if one of those people mentioned in that scenario was your son and his boyfriend? Or if it was your daughter and her girlfriend? How would you respond to that? Now this claim and your answer to this argument will depend on your understanding of what biblical love is. And the world will see this as a romantic love, as an eros love. And of course their moral values will be dictated by their understanding of this, of this Hollywood romantic notion of love. But it is not a biblical love. 
Let me remind you of what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 13. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Love is the fulfilling of the law. If you love God, you're not going to take His name in vain. If you love God, you're not going to have an idol in His place. If you love God, you will obey Him. The Bible describes homosexuality as an immoral and an unnatural sin. Leviticus 18 verse 22. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Leviticus 20.13. If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They will surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. If you love God, you will obey His word. Often we hear people say, well, Christianity is about love. It's not about the law. Well, John is reminding us here, love is the law. And the law is love. It's here because God loves us. And He cares for us. He gives us these laws for our benefits. Biblically speaking, these two things are not in opposition to each other. Christians are to love as an act of glad, joyful, and and grateful, and willing obedience to God's Word. We are to live in accordance with God's Word as as an expression of His love. John beautifully ties these together in, in our passage. Look at verse 6 there. The relationship between love and law, between love and obedience. John says, and this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. Now that's an interesting way to describe love, isn't it? Keep the law. Keep the law. And then he turns it around. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the, beginning, from the beginning, that you walk in it. That we walk in what? What is he talking about? In love. This is the commandment, that you walk in love. John is saying that to love is to live God's commandments. Real love is living God's commandments. And God's great commandment is to love. And he's saying nothing new here. When he says that, we've already heard this, but he's reminding us because this is a problem. This is a problem when we redefine what love is. When we put our own definition in of what we think love is. We become selfish. We think love is what we can get out of this scenario. How we can benefit. That's not how the Bible describes love. John is summarizing a very important biblical truth. John is speaking about a very relevant issue for Christians today. Now, many professing Christians believe that Christianity is about freedom. I'm saved. I can do what I want. I can, I can behave like I want. They say, well, we're no longer under the law. We're under the dispensation of grace. I so often hear people say, well, Christianity is not about rules. Well, of course it's not all about rules. It's about so much more than rules. It's about the person of of Jesus Christ. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about the, the power of the Spirit 
working in us and through us to be more like Christ. It's about the glory of the, the triune God. It's about a lot of things. But there are rules. There are rules. God's law is not our enemy. God's law is not our enemy once we have been brought under His authority. God's law becomes our friend when we are under His reign of grace. We may not always understand it, but it is for our good. It is for our joy. It is for our benefit. God's law becomes our friend. And so simply saying that Christianity is not about rules doesn't quite do justice to what Christianity is all about. Jesus didn't say love one another as I have loved you if you feel like it in your good days. No. Love one another as I have loved you. This is my commandment. If you love me, keep my commandments. So Christian love is an obedient response to God's self-revelation in Jesus Christ. Can I say that again? In case you didn't get it. If you don't hear anything else, just hear this. Christian love is an obedient response to God's self-revelation in Jesus Christ. This is His revelation to us, folks, right here. It's not a mystery. We don't have to go to a cloud to find God's revelation. We don't have to smoke a mushroom to find out God's will. He's revealed Himself to us right here, folks. This is His revelation. Jesus has shown us what love looks like in practice. And it's been recorded for us to see. And recorded for us to imitate. We see His disciples responding obediently in love. Christian lovers deliberately choosing to serve. And serve takes time. It takes effort. It takes resources. And it is a very unselfish act. But that's what love is. We are to serve each other, our Christian brothers and sisters. We just asked this morning, we made an advertisement for those to make a meal for a family in the church. We don't sign up so that we can get, a, we can get on that list so somebody will make a meal for me. Oh, I made a meal. Then they should make a meal for me. No. The kind of love that John is speaking of here is deliberately seeking the best interest of our fellow Christians and personally ministering to them out of a gospel concern, out of a, out of a genuine love and care, even at our own expense for the sake of Christ. John is calling us, or Jesus is calling us to a costly service of one another. This is a real tangible love and caring concern for one another. Do you see how this reflects his, his moral test, remember? The test to see whether you truly are saved. Well, are we walking in obedience with God's word? He says if you're walking in love, then you are walking in accordance with God's word. If you're walking in accordance with God's word, then you are walking in love. And people always try and separate these things, but they belong together. The second point this morning is verse 7. Be on guard. Be on guard. 
Look at verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Well, from verse 7 to 9, he's, he speaks about the doctrinal test here, actually. But in verse 7, he gives us a reason why we should love one another. Because, he says, many deceivers have gone out into the world. So love each other because many deceivers have gone out into the world. Love each other so that we can protect each other. Because there are deceivers out there who want to destroy you. Who want to destroy your family. We need to love as Christ loved. Here in this verse, John defines deceivers. He warns believers to be watchful. And he explains a procedure for dealing with those who deny the truth about Jesus. There's a lot of nonsense being taught under the disguise of Christianity out there. A couple of months back in South Africa, a pastor in Johannesburg claimed to have resurrected a man from the dead. The whole event was recorded and posted on various social media sites. You might have seen the video. Well, needless to say, this was all, all a hoax. It was all staged. And eventually the truth came out and criminal charges were filed against this pastor. And further investigations have re- revealed that this, this was not the first hoax that this so-called man of God has performed. But still, sadly, he has an estimated following of 10,000 devoted people across Southern Africa, South America, and even in Europe, all deceived. Now, believers, we need to be on guard. We need to be watchful. We need to be discerning. And when John says in verse 7, For many deceivers have gone out into the world. He's simply echoing the promise of of Jesus to his disciples. Do you remember that that Jesus told his disciples that there would be deceivers? There would be false teachers. There would be false messiahs. Jesus has said it. This is not something new. Notice the words he uses in verse 7 there. He says these deceivers have gone out. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. Notice that there. John is saying in verse 7 that they've gone out into the world just like Christian missionaries have gone out into the world. Jesus sent out Christian missionaries to the ends of the earth to tell the truth. And John says, you know what? These false teachers have gone out into the world too. But they've been sent by somebody completely different. They haven't been sent by God to speak the truth. They've been sent to deceive To speak lies. This fake pastor from South Africa is is actually quite easy to identify if if you have half a brain. But there are other more subtle deceivers that that John is warning us about. People that aren't as obvious as this false teacher. And these deceivers are the ones who, who, who call into question what the Bible teaches. What the apostles preached and what the apostles wrote about of Jesus. They call into question, they they put doubt in our minds about the Bible's testimony as to who Jesus is. Did Jesus really say that? Is Jesus really 
the Son of God? Did Jesus really die on the cross? They call into question what Jesus said about himself and what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. And he's saying, let me tell you where these missionaries come from. They call themselves Christians. They tell you they're going to lead you into, into deeper truth. But in actual fact, they are sent by Satan himself. And they are sent to destroy you, to deceive you. They are fulfilling what Jesus warned us even before he was crucified. Now, all levels of deception have serious consequences. For example, a false teaching may lead couples to divorce when sound teaching, biblical teaching, would have prevented them from doing that. Now, false teaching about raising your children can lead to ritualistic and, and rigid and, and legalistic practices and methods that end up damaging your children emotionally and spiritually. Whereas good biblical teaching about parenting would, would raise your children to love Jesus. And these are serious matters. Serious matters because the enemy uses all levels of false teaching to destroy God's people. To damage them. But the most serious false teaching involves the, the person and the work of Jesus Christ and the way of salvation. We need to keep the main point the main point. We must be on guard to the danger of such deceptive teaching. And he tells us how we can do that. Look at verse 8 and 9. My last point. Abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Verse 8. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. In verse 8 and 9, John encourages Christians to abide in Christ's teachings so that we will be on God, so that we can be discerning. So that we would know the deceptions of these false teachers. So that we will not lose our spiritual rewards. There's a loss here involved, folks. Notice that. If we are not discerning, there is a loss to us, personally. A spiritual reward. Jesus talked about those who have used well and what he entrusted to them. That they will be rewarded with more at the, at the judgment seat. Remember in Matthew 25, the, the story of the faithful steward. One was given ten talents. One was given five talents. One was given two talents. And the unfaithful steward, what did he do? He buried his, his talents in the ground because he thought his master was unkind when he was just actually being unfaithful. And he was judged for that. But the ones who were faithful and used their talents... To profit their, their master. Were given more. Were rewarded with more. Paul talks about those who build with wood and hay and straw. As opposed to those who build with gold, silver and precious stones. Well, the wood and hay and straw will be burned. 
And the person will suffer a loss of rewards. But those who build with gold, silver and precious stones will receive those rewards. In order to receive the full reward, John commands us here. Watch yourself. And then in verse 9, he, he criticizes and he describes in detail what these false teachers look like, who they are. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Apparently, these false teachers themselves were, were saying to the, the Christian people, the Christian congregations, we're going to take you beyond what you've heard before. We're going to teach you something new, a brand new model. We're going to take your knowledge and belief to, to a new level. We're going to help you to become more spiritual than what you are right now. We're going to teach you something profound, something better, something more compelling, something more, more fashionable. And John is saying, when you go beyond the truth of Jesus Christ and His Word, you not only lose Christ, but you lose God. You lose God. Isn't it amazing? To you, how many people want God, but they don't want Jesus? And how many people want to go to heaven, but they don't want nothing to do with Jesus? And these people were doing the same thing. They left Jesus out of the story completely. And John is saying, when you leave Jesus behind, you leave the possibility of a relationship to God behind. No man can come to God but through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. And the problem with false teachers is that they undo the work of the gospel. They want us to live in sin. The way Hollywood celebrates it. They want us to forget the fact that Christ came to save us from our sins. These false teachers, they want a, a universal religion where everybody gets to go to heaven, no matter what they believe or what they have done. They want to define their own morality. They want their own standards. They don't want the Bible's definition of love and of sin and of grace. And so is the call to be loyal to the truth. Abide in Christ's teachings. We cannot love the false teachers in the Christian church. We need to love the truth. Don't be tempted. Don't be entertained with what is popular. It might not be what is true. You know, some argue, and I've heard this many times, doctrine divides. And that's why we will not study theology, because doctrine divides. Well, some even think that studying theology can, can damage your devotion to, to Jesus. And my argument right here from 2 John then is, well, well, how are you going to be discerning? How will you stand? How do you know what is of Christ and what is, is not of Christ? How is it possible to know Christ apart from His revealed words? If you don't know what the Scriptures say about Christ, how could you love Him? How could you love His commandments? How can you even keep His commandments? 
How can you love Him and enjoy Him forever if you don't want to study what He says? Fathers and mothers, you need to know doctrine. Your children are influenced on a daily basis with worldly philosophies from their school that almost always contradict what the Bible teaches. If you don't know what the Bible says, how are you going to protect your children from the lies of the devil? Just the other day we saw a free movie on our Etty Salad TV called Brother Bear. Our children wanted to watch this animated Disney movie that seemed very harmless, it seemed very fun. But as we started watching this, I realized this was teaching a false doctrine. It was teaching the doctrine of reincarnation. I mean, I'm not going to go get a book and teach my children about the false doctrine of reincarnation. So why should I let my children watch a movie that is going to teach them about reincarnation? We need to be discerning. We must be on guard for the sake of our children. Now, parents, we need to be equipped to be able to caution our children about these movies and philosophies and school teachers who want to contradict the Bible. Remember John's warning here, folks. Satan has sent out deceivers into the world. Not to help us, but to destroy us. To destroy your family. To destroy the church. We need to protect ourselves. Protect your children by knowing what the Bible teaches. Now, we cannot shelter our children from all the, the things of the world. So we must give them tools to, so they can discern as well. We must be diligent to teach them biblical truth. Equip them so they can be discerning. Well, practically how? How then can we do this? Well, the scriptures tell us that we need to be equipped. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, the church has been given people so that we can be equipped the church has been given teachers and pastors so that we can be equipped to do the work of the ministry. We need to learn sound doctrine. That's why we come to church. I know the music's great and, and we come together to pray, but primarily we come so that we can sit under the, the, the preaching of the word, so that we can be washed by the word of God. That's why we have home groups, so that we can... See what the scriptures are saying. That we can dig deeper. We can learn more together. We can ask questions. Come to home groups. That's why we have Friday school. For those of you who don't know, we have Friday school before church service at 9.30 every Friday. We're teaching at the moment a course on marriage. We're teaching a course on finances. We're teaching a course on biblical discipleship. And soon we're going to be teaching a course on Christian parenting. Come and be equipped. Come and be equipped. Practically, we need to come to church. We need to be involved in every opportunity where we can learn the Word of God. We have discipleship classes. We have book clubs. Be involved. Learn more about the Bible so that you can be discerning. 
There's a song that I learned as a child about the wise man who built his, his house upon the rock. Maybe I'll sing it for you. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood firm. That's right, eh? The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the sand went smash! Remember? Remember that? Well, that's a biblical truth. Go read it in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Without truth as our foundation, families and the church will not be able to protect ourselves. False teachers will infiltrate any area that we live exposed so that they can steal part of this spiritual reward and send us into a backslidden direction away from God. Don't let them do that. Sound biblical doctrine is not a dirty word. It's not something we need to be afraid of. It is something we need very much. It may not be the popular thing. It may not be the easy thing. But it is the necessary thing. If you swap sound doctrine for popularity, you will face the the bad consequences. Conviction disappears and with it courage is gone and credibility is thrown out the window. Trying to be relevant, the church becomes absolutely irrelevant. Now, Os Guinness, a well-known and respected Christian author, said, So-called believers become kissing Judases who pretend to embrace Jesus even as they betray Him. Don't be that type of professing believer, folks. We have to be loyal to the truth. The truth moves ahead only in the hands of those who love God and His Word, who hate error, who hate false doctrine. And so John says that the church must be on guard. We must be watchful to the deceptive nature of false teachers. We must be on guard for ourselves. And we do that by abiding in the teaching of Christ. Being part of a biblical, healthy church protects you, protects your family against the lies and the deception of the devil. John Piper once said that deception works because it makes shame look glorious and ugly look pretty and folly look wise and suicidal ways look life-giving and sadness look like gladness deception works because we think we'll be happier if we turn away from christ and embrace sin don't believe the lies of the devil folks we live in a world of lies the devil is called the father of lies 
And he devotes his existence to keep the, the whole of humanity in a thick black dark cloud of deception. So that the truth of God cannot be seen. Believers on the other hand, those of us who know God, we live in the light. We are to be the light. We are to reflect the radiance of his glory. We are the light on the hill that shouldn't be, be put under a bushel. That should be seen for others so that they can know of the hope of the wonderful God who has come to save us from our sins. This is critical, folks, for the effectiveness of our testimony, not just in our homes, but for our church as well. Because Scripture repeatedly warns about deception and warns about deceivers and calls for us to protect the truth passionately. We need to give great attention to the truth. We are to guard the truth. We are to uphold the truth. We are to defend the truth. And we are to proclaim the truth. We are to speak it every opportunity we get. Truth should be the basis of our fellowship, folks. We join with those who are in the truth. And we separate from those who are outside the truth. So don't entertain false teachers. Don't let them defraud you of your prize. Don't let them undo the work God has started in you. Don't let them tamper with this sanctifying process. Be like Paul who said in Philippians 3 verse 9. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The only way you will know Christ more is by learning of His character in His revealed Word. The only way you will continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is by learning and applying the Scriptures that God has given to us. Well, let's pray that the Spirit of God will help us to do just that. Father, we come to you this morning. Thankful, Lord, that you have removed us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you for your word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light into our path. Thank you, Lord, that we are not blind to the deceptions of the devil. That we can know truth. We can apply truth. And we can live out the truth for your glory and for our joy. So Lord, as we come to your word, I pray that this week, as we study your word, as we devote ourselves to the, to the reading and studying of your word, that we would see these precious jewels here, Father, that are for our joy. Not to cast a, a burden upon us, but so that we would live lives of, of fruitfulness, for your glory, lives of much peace. Because you love us and you have given us your instruction. And we know it is profitable for us in every area of our lives. So I pray, Lord, that you would give us a desire, a thirst for your word. That we would be like that deer who thirsts for your word. Lord, that we would... Become more discerning in our, in our walk with you. 
That we become more discerning so we can protect our family and we can protect our church from the lies of the devil. So Lord, hear our prayer this morning. May you be glorified, Lord. May we receive your blessings. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.